I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Here's Alexis Sanchez. What a finish. Walcott's going to go through and score. Into the middle. Giroud is two. Welcome to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast for the week of the 31st of August 2015. I'm Russell Hargreaves. On today's show, Theo Walcott talks to us about his long road back from injury. Dan Roebuck swings by to talk through his 11 years as the voice of the Matchday Show. And Adrian Clark previews the Gunners' Champions League group. But let's kick off with the weekend review. Arsenal travelled to St James's Park for the lunchtime kickoff on Saturday and barely 15 minutes had been played before we had our first flashpoint. Fernando, of course, who did score against Southampton in the 2-2 draw here. Meanwhile, we've got Coquelin down, clutching... Uh, oh, and it's a red card here. It's Mitrovic who's been sent off for a challenge on Coquelin and the fans can't quite believe it. Neither can Mitrovic. And well, I have to have another look at this one, Nick, because this is a sending off that's come from nowhere. Colacini's come racing across saying, well, what on earth is that for? Obviously, the referee had the best view in the house and he's given a straight red. Alexander Mitrovic with the straight red card for a shocking challenge on Francis Cochlear. The home fans weren't happy, but Mitrovic could have no complaints. Arsenal failed to break down the 10 men of Newcastle in the first half, but seven minutes into the second period, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain fired home the opener, courtesy of a deflection off Fabrizio Colaccini. Now it's with Cossiani breaking forward, tries to slip it through here, that's a good touch from Sandy Cazorla, gets the shot away, it's blocked, and then Ramsey strike, good save, it's come back out for Oxlade-Chamberlain, takes an inflation and goes in! Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain breaks the deadlock, touch of fortune about it, but a couple of fierce strikes, eventually the ball comes back out towards the Ox, who fires it goalwards and sneaks into the net, off the post, and Newcastle are behind here, it is Newcastle nil, Arsenal 1, the Gunners do have their lead. The Gunners pushed for a second goal to kill the game off, but had to settle for a 1-0 win in the end, and after having 21 attempts on goal and 78% of the possession. It was the least that their dominance deserved, and in his post-match press conference, Arsene Wenger spoke about having to adapt his team's game plan after that early red card. I uh, expected more space for Theo, you know, and uh, at the start it looked quite promising. And, uh, but after 15 minutes, it was a different, different problem for us. 
There was no space behind their defenders. Uh, the service through their lines was uh, very difficult and uh, they defended very well. The win pushed Arsenal up to sixth in the league and was the perfect way to head into the international break. That's the final word on the weekend's action. Now it's time to turn the spotlight on the man who started up front for Arsenal on Saturday, Theo Walcott. Theo Walcott is Arsenal's longest-serving player now and signed a new long-term contract with the club in July. The Gunners forward sat down with Arsenal media's Nick Brumsack to talk about his return from injury and his evolution from winger to forward. So Theo, you were eased back into action when you returned from injury last season. How much did that help your recovery and to help you reach your peak? Yeah, I think it was important to be patient. Um, even at times when I wanted to just go for it, the manager was just put me aside and just say, obviously, I was out for a you know, over a year and it's, it's always, sometimes it takes that amount of time to get back to the level. Um, I managed to come back a little bit better, quicker as well. Um, and I, I, it's important, you don't want to rush things because you work so hard to get to, you know, after being out over a year and you just don't want to just panic and go in straight away. Um, and maybe initially in the first stages I wanted to just, just get involved because I missed it for so long. You know, if you take a you know, sweet away from a, from a baby, they're going to want it back. and. Uh, it's just um, I was just, that was the same a case for me, um, and um, yeah. So I, that, that that was the biggest word I think was being just very patient with myself, not not just um, not just the the team as well. You ended last season with four goals in your final two games, and you, you played up front in both of those matches. Is that where you see yourself playing this season as well? I think you'll see a mixture of me playing this three, those three positions. To be honest, left, right, and centre. I think um, depending on how the game is, who the opposition is against. Uh, that's why the manager is the best man to, to pick his team. Um, but I've shown the manager what I can do on the left, right and centre. It's obviously well documented I want to play up front. But, you know, there's a lot of competition for places here as well. But I will do my best in any position given the opportunity playing for this club. So, um, and I'll give it my all. But um, I'll always be judging goals and assists, etc. But um, I feel like I would score a lot of goals up front. You've regularly scored goals from the right wing, of course. What's the main difference as opposed to leading the line? The main difference on the right to the centre. Um, what well, a right, you uh, you have to do a bit more defending on the right, definitely. Obviously, up front, you need to do your your part as well. But because, like I say, it always starts from the front. But on the right, you need to obviously track your your runner as well. You need to tuck in for your fellow midfield playing to help out your fullbacks. There's all these other little jobs you need to do up front. You can do things by just movement. At times you may not be involved in a game, but you are, some people might think, oh, he hasn't touched the ball for 10, 15 minutes, but he's moving all the time and he's taking players and he's creating space for other players. And that's what strikers need to do at times, not just always come to ball and set it off. You need to stretch teams, which with our midfield players we have in this team, it's going to give them more space, more opportunities, more goals. Um, and that's what you want, I think, in a team. Well, he hasn't had much game time yet, but you've got to believe that Theo Walcott's going to play a major role this season for the Gunners and for England in this summer's European Championships. Now we go from a current winger to a legendary one. It's time for our history lesson. And it's Adams, put through by Bold. Would you believe it? Or oh, Charlie George, who can hit him. Oh, it's up for grabs now. On the 5th of September 1970, George Armstrong scored twice as the Gunners beat North London rivals Tottenham 2-0 at Highbury. That's a good ball from Graham. He's got three on the far post, one coming across the nearest Kennedy. And for Armstrong. 
Of course, the 1970-71 season would culminate in Arsenal travelling to White Hart Lane to clinch the league championship and then go on to complete the club's first double with a 2-1 win over Liverpool in the FA Cup final at Wembley. Here's captain Frank McClintock, George Graham, Bob Wilson and Charlie George remembering that incredible season. The determination and the ability to win a game and once we were one nothing up you could forget about it. We just believed in, in each other so much. There was a tremendous, tremendous camaraderie and we just thought that we could beat anybody and everybody. We had a good squad, you know, we, we never had great individuals but collectively of a team, whatever we did, we did together and that was the strongest point of the team. The camaraderie among the players was first class. And uh, I think the, the outstanding coaching and the man management of both Don and Bertie Lee, that really added to the total picture. George Armstrong would go on to play 621 games for the club, a record only surpassed by David O'Leary and Tony Adams, scoring 68 goals in the process, a true Gunners legend. We'll have another history lesson next week, but now it's time that we talk to another Arsenal insider. Let's hear from another Arsenal insider on the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Our Arsenal insider this week is the voice of the Arsenal Match Day show. In fact, we heard from him during the weekend review earlier, Dan Roebuck. Dan, how you doing, my friend? You OK? Yeah, very good, mate. How are you? Not too bad. Thanks for interrupting your bank holiday Monday morning. It's uh, wet, it's dank, but uh, great to have you on the Arsenal podcast. Not a problem whatsoever. So, obviously, you watch Arsenal every week. Um, what have you made of this season so far? Difficult one, isn't it? Because we were so full of hope and optimism and confidence heading into the season because of a, a terrific pre-season uh, and indeed the end of the last campaign as well that we expected Arsenal, certainly to win the first game of the season at home uh, to West Ham. That didn't quite work out as well as we thought that it would do. As we know, we've got seven points so far from a possible 12. I thought the best that we've played so far was against Crystal Palace. There was a, a spell against Palace. Uh, where I thought we saw the, the true Arsenal. And given what Palace have done to Chelsea this season, and I think I remarked at the time, that you know that Palace are going to take points off the big teams over the course of the year. I thought most likely at Sellers Park rather than the place like Stamford Bridge, but they're beginning to look like a team that could potentially finish in the top eight. So I thought Arsenal played well against Palace, uh, against Newcastle at the weekend. It was a case of getting the job done. It wasn't the best of games. I think everybody would... Uh, would testify to that. But we're slightly better off than we were last season. Not exactly what we wanted, uh, but a couple of wins. Hopefully we can turn the home form around uh, when we restart um, in the Premier League. So so not, not a complete disaster, but I think everyone would recognise not exactly what we wanted. So, Dan, I bet you it's gone by in the blink of an eye, but you've been working for the club for 11 years now. Good work. Do they give you a medal for that yet, or do you have to get no, a bit they further? Do. No, they don't. I'm, I'm still waiting for the testimonial, Russell, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, my, my, my first season was 0304. I was trying to work it out the other day, um, so it might even be more than 11 years. My first campaign working for the Arsenal was 0304, which is a brilliant season, obviously. I reckon 20. We'll, we'll give you something at 20. I think that's fair. Uh, mate, loads to talk about here. I want to talk about, you know, specific players and, and matches, but just sort of broader memories as well of all these years. So let's maybe start there. Well, 0304, of course, was the Invincibles year. Uh, and, and that was my first season. And it was a, an unbelievable year to work for the club because the football played that year was just astonishing. And the stories behind that run were just brilliant. Every single weekend, something was happening. It was building up 
to go all the way throughout the campaign, throughout a league campaign, unbeaten. And, and as we know, it just doesn't happen. You've got to go back to the 1800s and Preston when, you know, there's only 20-odd games in a league season. So to go 38, that season was, was so special. The football that was played, the matches that Arsenal were involved in were, were just phenomenal. I mean, that season will always uh, be such a great one uh, to remember. But, you know, after that, the FA Cup triumph, uh, following that, uh, the years when Arsenal went close in the Champions League, getting to the final uh, in Paris and, and getting so, so close against Barcelona. The heartbreak of uh, being beaten by Birmingham in, in the league. Oh, I hate to bring it up, but yeah. if we go sort of chronologically. And then sort of near misses in the Premier League and then coming full circle really for the last couple of years when Arsenal have, have uh, secured some great FA Cup triumphs to come from behind win against Hull and, of course, the the, the, the stunning success against Villa. There's some great memories of so if I was going to ask you to pick out one specific match then, you've given us a few, um, what would you say? Difficult one. I'm still going to give you a few because I, <laughs> I, 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 always, I, I always... Should be a politician, mate. <laughs> in, in the 03-04 season, the, the win over Liverpool at home, when it just looked like potentially the wheels were going to come off Arsenal season, beaten in the FA Cup semi-final by Manchester United at Villa Park, kicked off the park... Uh, by Sir Alex Ferguson's side in the Midlands. That came off uh, the back of um, a couple of draws uh, and then off the semi-final defeat into the second leg of the championship. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Champions League uh, quarterfinal against Chelsea, beaten at Highbury um, to knock us out of the Champions League. When really, when you look back and you remember that side, that was the year that Arsenal potentially should have won the Champions League. But that's a... That's another story. So beaten by Chelsea, then coming into the game against Liverpool and 2-1 down, and you think, crikey, this could be three defeats on the spin here. So uh, the fact that Arsenal came back to win that 4-2, uh, fantastic display from Cherry on rear back to Hattrick that day. That was always going down as one of my favourite games. The following season, just a brief word for 
the game against Middlesbrough when the 49s unbeaten run is still going on. We hadn't reached the 49, we are just into the 40s. Uh, and, and 3-1 down at home to Middlesbrough, coming back to win 5-3. The atmosphere at Highbury that day was, was unbelievable. And just one more I'm going to mention, uh, because it's, uh, it's a little bit more recent. Uh, is the FA Cup final win against Hull, 2-0 down inside 20 minutes or whatever it was, and then to come back uh, to win 3-2 in extra time. Commentator's dream, isn't it? And a, and a fantastic uh, performance from Arsenal and Ramsey coming on, uh, uh, scoring the winning goal. It w- was just a brilliant day all round and, and ending that trophy drought. So if I can have sort of three or two and a half, they, uh, that, that trio would be it. I think that's perfectly acceptable, Dan. No problem. And what about players as well? Who would you pick? Maybe again, a little sort of selection over your 11 years. Uh, there are so many, aren't they? Uh, I mean, Thierry Henry, really. Um, I mean, I say my first season was 3 4 People said that his best football for Arsenal was actually the previous season. But he was brilliant that year as well. And the strength of that particular Arsenal side was just phenomenal with... Um, uh, Perez playing on the left-hand side, Vieira and uh, Gilberto. And, of course, uh, up front, Burkamp and Henri. And at, at the back, you had Campbell and, and, and Torre. You had Cole and Ron and Lehman playing in that side. I mean, they were, they were ter- that, that was a, a, such a strong unit that season. It was unbelievable. Uh, and, obviously, you pick out Henri from then. Uh, and then the emergence of Cesc Fabregas. I know he plays for that lot uh, across town these days. But uh, when... We saw his debut playing in, in the League Cup in that year. Then he didn't play in the Premier League until the following year. And he, and he slotted in brilliantly in 4 5 and then went on to be Arsenal's sort of main midfielder. He, and, and he was terrific. Some of the, in fact, I still think that, that we got the best of him. I know that you know he, he won plenty at Barcelona and he, he's done well at Chelsea already. But I think we still saw the best of, of uh, Fabregas. Uh, and going through to sort of the, the current crop uh, of players. And, and when you think about the arrival of Meza Ozil and Alexis Sanchez. I mean, two phenomenal players, two world-class players that Arsene Wenger somehow managed to prize away from, you know, the likes of Barcelona and, and Real Madrid has, has just been astonishing. And, and Alexis in particular, I think, because we've seen it over the years, Russell, and you know this, we see players um, come to the Premier League and it doesn't work out for them, or if it does work out for them, it can take 18 months, two years or so, for Alexis to score so many goals and be such a key player for Arsenal last season. Um, you know, he's not yet sort of hit the heights this campaign, but he's not had a break. He played in the Copa America, as you know, scoring that winning penalty for Chile. So there's been so many. But I think on Henri Fabregas and, and hopefully Alexis to kick on from here on in would, would be the three that I'd pick out. Brilliant. And, Dad, just a couple of quickies to finish. What's the biggest change, would you say, that you've seen during your time here? I think uh, on the pitch, I think the game's got even quicker. Uh, I was reading somewhere the other day that it's 10% quicker than it was sort of seven or eight years ago. And when sometimes you look back at those games, from even that 0-3 or 0-4 era, and you think, you know, th- these are outstanding performances. When you look at, uh, at, at Arsenal playing against sort of lesser lights in the Premier League, mid-ranking sides, even sides that potentially will go down, the game seems to get quicker. The opposition are better. Everybody's more drilled. There are more world stars in the Premier League than there were before. There are so many good players. I was watching a bit of the Swansea game yesterday and you look at the likes of uh, Andrea Yu that have come into the Premier League and he's phenomenal and he's playing for a club like, like Swansea. It wouldn't have happened uh, maybe 10, certainly not 20 years ago. So the speed of the game and off the pitch, the amount of media coverage, as you know, Russell, is just, um, uh, it's just phenomenal. <laughs> what, what, we, what we get now and what's expected of the clubs. When I first started Arsenal Media, there was 
three or four of us. Now there's a whole department. So it's exploded out of all recognition, I think, the amount of coverage that there is, which is great for a fan. It's great for us as well. It's never been covered so better. So those are the two things that I'd suggest. And as we let you go, mentioning that media explosion, um, the Match Day show, great watch, brilliant stuff. What's new? What's evolved for this season? Well, the eager-eyed amongst watchers will have seen the new set, which is, we hope, a little bit nice, a bit more dynamic for people uh, to tune in. We've got more interviews. We've got pitch side at half-time for the home games. Uh, we've got more interactivity. There's more reporting as well. Uh, we're pitch side for away games. We've got a reporter outside the dressing room getting the team news first and foremost. Uh, plenty uh, for those who can't get to the match to enjoy. So hopefully we've upped our game for supporters this season. And don't forget the new Match Day Show mugs as well, which are proudly displayed. I'm looking at them now. They're good. Yeah, they are. Unfortunately, I've not got one yet. So uh, we need to get some more and maybe we'll have one or two as prizes over the course of the season. That's if the budget can stretch to them. That sounds like a plan. Dan Robert, thanks so much for your time, mate. Really good to get all your thoughts and your insight. Really appreciate it. My pleasure, Russell. Speak soon. The Arsenal Weekly Podcast. So there's no game to preview this week because of the international break, but we're not going to let Adrian Clark off that easily, of course. He now joins me to go through Arsenal's Champions League group draw instead. Hey, thought you were going to have a morning off, but we've got you on the phone. How are you, my friend? Not a problem, Russ. I wouldn't get up early on a bank holiday uh, for, every, for anyone, so um, <laughs> it's a pleasure. Mate, we've ruined your duvet day, but I know you've been doing stringent research on this segment. So, Bayern Munich, of course, I think most would say are Arsenal's real threats in the group. But what do you think about the other teams, Olympiakos and Dinamo Zagreb? First things first, I think it's a good draw for Arsenal. I don't think, I think it could have been a lot worse, um, but we shouldn't underestimate Olympiakos. I mean, this is a team that's reached the last 16 uh, three times in the last seven seasons. So, so they're no mug. And they're, they're superb at home. I think everybody knows that they've beaten Arsenal, obviously, before. But the list of clubs that they've, they've beaten on home soil are United, Atletico, Juve, Dortmund. Um, and they were unlucky not to reach the quarters a couple of years ago when they, um, when they took Manchester United to the wire. So this, this isn't a team we should underestimate. And they've got Esteban Cambiasso now in the heart of their midfield. Obviously, he's ever so well for Leicester last season. So he'll, he'll firm up the engine room. I think, I think they're, they're a side that will quietly fancy their chances. They tend to average 8, 9, 10 points. So, um, yeah, they will be dark horses, I think. And what about Dinamo Zagreb? Well, I think, I think they could be the whipping boys, to be perfectly honest. Because they've got a pretty shocking record in the Champions League group stages. Obviously, domestically, they, they dominate. Um, and they're full of goals, actually. In the qualifiers, they've been through three rounds and scored 14 goals. So, that, so they, can, they can put the ball in the back of the net. Decent strike force. Hodzic and Sudani are front two. Are, are, are pretty decent. But I think away from home especially, they, they just ship all sorts of goals. And, and even though you'd suspect it would be a real tough opener, in Zagreb, intimidating atmosphere. Their home record in the Champions League is pretty woeful. So I'd expect Arsenal to get off to a winning start there. Of course, Adrian, finishing second in the group stages has really plagued the Gunners in recent years, hasn't it? So how do Arsenal avoid that fate this time oh, around? Uh, they've got to put their pedal to the metal for all six games, haven't they? That's, that's been the issue. There's, there's been one rogue away performance that's blighted each of the last few seasons. I remember a really poor display in Napoli, another one 
in Dortmund and and yeah, but they've got to eliminate those. When they don't play so well, you can't play well every game. But in the Champions League, when you have an off night, just make sure you don't lose. I think I think concentration is the key. Obviously, last year you could look at the the, the drop points on home start against Anderlecht. That was that was that was that was a real issue, uh, and I'd put that down to concentration. Um, so so that's that's the area you cannot switch off for a second in the Champions League. Um, they've got to be fully focused and at it for all six games. Well, let's go on to a couple of tweets from our listeners. Uh, at Wenger's Way wants to know, Adrian, how do you think Arsenal will cope against Bayern? <laughs> well, they know how to play against them, don't they? I mean, they've had plenty of practice in recent seasons. Um, and I think they'll be, they'll be boosted by the fact that they, they've got good results in Munich. It's, the problem has been at the Emirates, hasn't it? So they've got to learn from, from the defeats that they've had against them. Um, I, I think they just need to be a little bit smarter, they've got to get the right balance between defence and attack because you know, you're playing against top players here and they will punish you and we've found that out um, to our cost. The, the thing I would look at in terms of beating Bayern is that Guardiola will take risks. He, he, he's a very attack-minded coach. So, so we have to punish those opportunities that do come our way because we will get them. They, they will power bodies forward, especially I think even at the Emirates. Um, so, so we've got to make the most of our opportunities. Um, Barcelona blitzed them in last season's semi-final. I know Barcelona are, are, are an amazing side, but I don't think there's any reason why Arsenal, especially on home soil, can't get at Bayern Munich and really, uh, really punish them. And Aid, the aptly named at Captain Do seventy seven has got a more general question for us. There's a strong correlation, he says, between Ramsey playing out wide and Giroud's little goal drought. So should we look at changing the starting eleven? Yeah, good Twitter handle that, isn't it? Yeah. Um, should we consider changing the starting eleven? Well, I don't know. It's worked pretty well towards the end of last season, didn't it? With Aaron Ramsey in that inverted right wing role. Does have a good point though. It is factually true that that Giroud hasn't scored very many goals at all when Aaron Ramsey has been playing on the right. Is that all down to the Welshman? Absolutely not. I think he's had plenty of chances. I mean, this season alone, he's had twelve shots, seven on target. It's just Giroud's conversion rate has, has been significantly lower so far. But I do agree that it's true that that, that Giroud thrives on good early crosses, and and, he, and he's tended to be at his best with the likes of Walcott, Oxlade-Chamberlain, or even Danny Welbeck, been running at defenders, getting in behind the defence and squaring balls across the face of goal. I don't think there's any reason why Ramsey can't do that or why the team can't do that when Ramsey's in the side. So I don't necessarily think there's an issue with those two players playing together. But certainly, when Giroud's playing, the team needs to get in behind the opposition and flash more balls across the face of goal. No doubt about that. Adrian, thank you for uh, disrupting slightly your bank holiday plans and uh, great to have you back on. Always a pleasure, mate. Cheers, buddy. Remember as well, if you want to get your questions answered on the podcast, tweet at Arsenal and use the hashtag Arsenal Weekly. Well, that's full time on this week's show. My thanks to Theo Walcott, Dan Roebuck and to Adrian Clark for their contributions today. We'll be back on Monday, the 7th of September for the next Arsenal Weekly podcast. Until then, it's bye for now. Come on, you gunners. Thanks for listening to the Arsenal Weekly podcast. You can listen to a new episode every Monday by going to arsenal.com or the Arsenal SoundCloud page. The Arsenal Weekly podcast. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.